and welcome to episode number 167 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Stephen Andrews. We run down all the big bets, all the big happenings, all the big news in this crazy gambling industry. We are brought to you by BetMGM. Be sure to head over to the Lions for the very best sign-up offer you can possibly get in your jurisdiction at BetMGM as well. So just click on, go to the top, click on U.S. Sports Betting, find your state, and uh, the offer will be waiting right there for you. We're going to talk some NBA. We're going to talk the NFL schedule release. We're going to talk with Ed Miller about a cool little conference that's coming up this weekend and just his product and the market of live lines and how all that functions and everything like that. So we'll talk to him about that as well. And then we'll close out with Steven's thoughts on the Preakness and the, uh, you know, of course, the backlash that is coming down from a couple of weeks ago. But Steven, let's click things off here, my friend, with the NBA. We are down to the nitty gritty here. We are down to the last couple of games in the season. If you go over to BetMGM, your betting favorite is still the Brooklyn Nets, and probably rightfully so. Um, when you, you know, again, this team has still only played seven games with all three guys out on the court, but, um, you know, it looks as if all three dudes are going to be good to go for the playoffs. And Hey, if you're the nets, that's probably all you care about. They are plus two thirty. That is all you are getting on the nets right now to, uh, to take it home. Lakers at five to one Clippers, five to one jazz, seven to one Sixers, seven to one bucks, nine to one. And then everybody else is 14 to one or longer that 14 being the Suns? um you know uh, since since we last talked about the nba steven a, a couple of things did actually change here i mean of course we knew about the news already from an injury standpoint on the nuggets with jamal murray and how that pretty much cut their i mean that that ballooned their odds and pretty much cut their chances of being able to, to win this thing almost out well the Heat were a kind of a, a team that I think people were saying could be a sleeper team. Hey, don't sleep on the Heat. This team could do it. You saw what they did last year, yada, yada, yada. Then we get the news two days ago, Victor Oladipo going under uh, season-ending surgery for them. So this guy they made the trade for that was going to kind of help them try to get over the top. And he is now out for the season as well. The Celtics lose Jalen Brown for the season, a guy who was having a career year for them. And he is now out, going to have surgery on his wrist. He is out for the season as well. So man, the season of injuries, I mean, we, we're, you know, we, we are still talking about the Lakers being five to one. We still haven't seen LeBron and AD back on the court together at full strength and whatever. So it's it's been a very weird year. It's been a very weird season. The Jazz sitting at seven to one. Spider Mitchell's miss, missed the last two and a half weeks. You know, I mean, it's just everybody's dealing with something and has dealt with something so far this year. It seems like maybe the only healthy team is the Suns. It's a mess, man. I mean, <laughs> this is a, such a weird year, not just with with COVID still going on, but so many games packed in a short amount of time. I mean, you have the Memphis Grizzlies trying to make the playoffs now, and they got to play five games in a week to end the season. It is just jam-packed. So I am going to try and find a healthy team here who can make a run. So I know Victor Oladipo's out, but the Miami Heat have been playing well down the stretch here. They've won six of seven as we tape this now with games left against Philadelphia, Milwaukee, and Detroit to close things out. Philadelphia looks like they're going to get the one seed in the East. So, I mean, this is a similar path to what Miami did in the bubble last year with a potential matchup in the second round against the one seed and potentially a vulnerable one seed. As a, as a Philadelphia native, I've seen the Philadelphia 76ers down the stretch in games look absolutely handicapped by Ben Simmons not being able to create offense for himself. It looks like teams are, are basically playing four on five out there with his offensive issues. So, I mean, I think the, the Nets are the rightful huge favorite here. They're minus 110 to win the East, a little more than plus 200 to win the NBA championship because now James Harden is healthy, right? I mean, you look at all these other teams, you can find some kind of knock against them. And I guess you could do that with the Nets with just their defensive liabilities, but they're just such an elite offensive team that it's hard to ignore that. If we had to make a bet, on this. I mean, I'll fully admit I have a Suns bet in my account just because I liked the way they were playing a couple of months ago and got a much bigger number than the 14 that you find right now at BetMGM. Um, if you had to make a bet today on a team to win the NBA championship um, with the uh, with the current odds that we have. So let's just, you know, because there are people out there who be listening to this who 
Yeah, they missed they missed whatever number happened, you know, a month ago, two months ago, all that. They want to make a bet today as we're about to head into the playoffs. What do you think the best? What do you think the most interesting bet? What do you think the most interesting number is out there? It's such a good question, right? I mean, uh, man, um, it's you know we 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 sometimes talk about how there's value even in the favorite, and I think that might be the case with the New Jersey Nets. I really don't see much of um, you know I, the Seventy Sixers are a really good defensive team. And last week on the podcast, we talked the, about the how, people of Brooklyn are so mad at you right now. Yeah, <laughs> calling them the New Jersey Nets. Come on, oh man. my goodness! Uh, wow, yes, wow! Yes, I did yes, say that, didn't yes, I? Yes, yeah, Holy the people cow. of Brooklyn are so mad at you right now. They're wow, like, "That's our talk- team, man! What are you doing? That's our team!" Wow, don't let, you give you that know, team next, back? Next, we'll talk about this the St. Louis Rams and the, uh, <laughs> the San Diego Chargers when we're done with this, right? Goodness <laughs> gracious! But uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, it's hard to bet against a team that has Kevin Durant, James Harden, and yeah, Kyrie Irving, it really is. right? I mean, it, it, it really is. It really is. I mean, that's why I think, like for me, if it's not the Nets, for me, it's a team like the Blazers because you're getting sixty yeah. to one. Like you're getting sixty to one, and it's like you do have Dame, you do have McCollum, you've got like a. a a miniature resurgence in Carmelo who's scoring when he's out on the court as well. You got Nurkic down low. Like it's, it's either like the, the chalk to me, or I want to be, I want to be holding like just a a ridiculous 60 to one ticket. Like that's, that's, that's the only thing for me. The NBA is not the league to go looking for long shots to win the championship, yeah. right? I mean, we've seen that year over year. I mean, even when Kawhi won it with the Raptors, they were still a top four choice in the odds that year, and they had the best player at the time on the planet. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm with you on that. If, I, if I'm not taking the Nets just in, in outright futures markets, then I'm looking for a long shot in one of these conferences that can get to their conference finals. That's the same thing I did last year with the Miami Heat in the bubble, and it worked out well. They wound up getting to the finals but even if i hedged in the eastern conference finals i still would have made a profit at a ridiculous number so if i'm looking at the paths here that as they currently stand we're looking at potentially a matchup between the nuggets as the four seed and either the blazers or the mavericks uh what what makes that attractive to me is that if things hold here with the clippers as the three seed and the lakers as the seven then those two teams would be on one side of the bracket and you could pick on maybe the four or five seed to hopefully get by the jazz in the second round at a price and not have to run into one of the LA teams until the conference finals. And then on the other side as well, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in the Philadelphia 76ers when all of their starters are healthy, but I also acknowledge that Joel Embiid is brittle. We saw him miss playoff games when going into the playoffs healthy in years past, and we've seen how much they are hamstrung by Ben Simmons late in close games in the postseason. So uh, that I'm looking at that 4-5 seed option in the Eastern Conference as well at a price, uh, which right now would be either the Hawks or the Miami Heat. As we tape this now, the Heat have won seven of their past 10 games. They beat Brooklyn, albeit uh, without the big three totally intact a, a little while ago, a couple weeks ago. So that would be my strategy. If, I, if I'm if i not yeah. going for the heavy favorite here, I'm looking for a price who can knock off one of the one seeds in those four or five uh, matchups. Yeah, so that's that. It's 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 very interesting to if it's a very interesting exercise anyway. If we're like, okay, so we have to get in today, like, and so where is their value today? And that's the interesting part of all this, because like you know, I'm with you. Like you look, and it looks like just at the right time, the Nets are going to be healthy heading into the playoffs. And I do understand. Listen, I fully understand they haven't played very many games together, but. I'm going to assume they're going to figure out a way to make it work, Stephen. I think they're going to figure out a way to make it work. So, yeah, that's kind of where I lean with this. um, I I like 14 to one on the heat in the east, hoping that Mm -hmm. they get by. I mean, honestly, Victor Oladipo would have been a bonus for me. I still like how they're playing without him and they have the experience from a year ago. They have the coaching. Uh, They get to take on the Sixers in the second round as opposed to having to take on the Nets or the Bucks. Um, so if they get that four or five seed, which it looks like they're peaking to do so, I mean, I'm looking at either the Heat at 14 to one, or if you think the Knicks can get by their first round matchup, they're sitting right now at 35 to one to win the East. 
So the big thing that the NFL does all year long and good on them, smart on them. It's absolutely amazing that they continue to do this, but man, they keep you engaged all year long, be it timing the when free agency starts, when is the draft going to be? And then of course, now the thing that hit us yesterday the schedule release and we're sitting here we're going down we're trying to figure out different little things different little quirks are there anything that we're loving is there anything that we're hating for certain teams that are that are out there one of the one of the first things i did steven was i went and took a look at the schedules of the teams with quarterback with rookie quarterbacks that may or may not be be playing and so for you know we we know trevor lawrence zach wilson they're gonna be starting from day one so i don't care about that so the first thing i did i go look at the 49ers uh schedule and so you sit there and you take a look at the 49ers schedule and they get one of the dreaded kind of early buys and remember this is a 17 game season guys and they have a week six buy the quarterback that everybody said that might need the most grooming in trey lance this bye week at early at six doesn't really do them any favors here. Like we talk about the natural break in the schedule where a lot of teams in the past where they've made the quarterback change because you get that extra week to get them ready to go and all that. But, you know, Steven, I got to be honest, I don't know. And especially considering the early schedule here for the 49ers. I don't know if Trey Lance is going to go, you know, like after the bye week there in week seven, because you're talking Detroit, Philly, Green Bay, Seattle, Arizona. Let's assume Green Bay doesn't have Aaron Rodgers. Detroit is a win. Philly is a very, very winnable game for the 49ers. If Green Bay didn't have Aaron Rodgers, that's a win. Let's call maybe a split between Seattle and Arizona. You could be heading into that bye week four and one with Jimmy Garoppolo as your quarterback. Are you really going to make the switch then to go to Trey Lance? Like, I don't think so. And so I, I think any ticket for Trey Lance to win rookie of the year is, is almost lighting anything on fire because I don't think he's going to get enough body of work to, to get it done. You know, I'm going to play devil's advocate here and take the complete opposite take and and wonder if that early season schedule increases the chances that Trey Lance plays right away. I mean, I have heard Kyle Shanahan say that they graded him as the most intelligent quarterback in this class, the, the quarterback who is able to understand a complex playbook and and they went through all of those tests in the pre-draft process um now he hasn't played much football at all he played one game at north dakota state last year so that's a knock against him is uh in that column but um you know i agree with you if the if he doesn't start right away but if we get word early in the preseason that he's going to play right away then then, then, then go yeah right 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 then at that point maybe go and start looking at the odds and getting a bet in but I I would not bet him right now because I think at that at the, the way that this schedule broke out and the way that their bye week fell and how how soft it is to start for this 49ers team it's going to be real tough listen I don't care how much they love I don't care how much they love the future and all of that with Trey Lance. It's going to be very hard to bench a four and one Jimmy Garoppolo coming out of a bye, uh, in my yeah. opinion. Like, it's going to be real hard to do it. It's going to be hard to not start a Trey Lance who looks good in the preseason as well. Right. So, I mean, we'll see about that. I mean, this is a, a, a roster that's ready to win now, and they know that Jimmy's not going to be able to do that. Let me ask you this. Hypothetically, Jimmy Garoppolo gets traded or cut or gets injured. Uh, I know that at BetMGM, when the Rookie of the Year odds opened up, Trey Lance was at 12 to 1, which is almost double of, of what he was elsewhere, and quickly got bet down to about half of that at 6 yeah. to 1. Um, you know, so we're, we're standing around that number now. If you get word before the season starts that it's going to be Trey Lance from week one, are you in on him for rookie yeah, oh, of the year? For sure. He is in the best landing spot without a doubt, right? I mean, like weapons abound, like should be super competitive in games. So like people are going to be paying attention to him because that's the other thing we have to remember. It's still voted on by human beings, right? And so they're going to be in competitive games. They're going to be winning games. Uh, I mean, it, it is for sure. If he's going to start from day one, he then instantly becomes my favorite. So it's like, it's, it's the weird thing to me is like, he starts from day one. He's my favorite. If he doesn't start from day one, I think he's unbettable because it's going to be a very, it's going to be a very tough scenario because of, because of the soft opening to the schedule for this 49ers team for, for them to say, Hey, Jimmy, 
Really appreciate you going four and one for us here, but we're going to go ahead and start the kid after the bye. You know, even though we're sitting in first place or whatever it might be, uh, yeah, it's just, I think it's going to be too tough to do. So, yeah, it's either from the get go, I think he's my favorite. And if he doesn't start from the get go, I actually think he's unbettable. I headed over to Chicago and took a look at their schedule. Their bye week isn't until week 10. So the question becomes now. How long does Andy Dalton last, Stephen? I mean, they start with right. the Rams. They might get their ass kicked against the Rams in week one. I, you know, I think that the Rams are a far superior team to this Bears team. Now you get a you get a reprieve there. You play in Cincinnati in week two, but then you come back with Cleveland in week three, where you could be looking at another ass kicking. So is is the fan base so quarterback starved that if Dalton starts weeks one, two, and three, and they go one and two, and they have two ass kickings to show for it with the Rams and the Browns, Detroit would be a very good spot to to bring in Justin Fields and start Justin Fields and have him begin his career because then your second game is against Vegas the next week. So neither team with a stout defense at all, both very winnable games. I'm wondering if we only get three weeks of Andy Dalton. That's exactly the game I had circled as well yeah. for Justin Fields' debut, that week four game at home against Detroit. Um, and this is a situation where I wonder, I mean, this could be a potential for us to learn from the Justin Herbert situation last year with rookie of the year odds, a, a guy who um, had got off to a slow start in, in Justin Fields' case. He might not start at all right away, uh, but if – if he doesn't start right away and his odds for rookie of the year balloon a little bit, That's but then we get word and we dream scenario, right? Play. Yeah. I mean, we're, we might get double the odds yeah. for rookie of the year than what we would have got preseason on him. And now we're talking a potential big value there with a schedule the rest of the season uh, that to me, it doesn't look all that bad in terms of opposing passing defenses. I mean, we're talking NFC East teams here, the Arizona Cardinals, the Minnesota Vikings, a couple, of times Seattle who was just a mess defensively a year ago the Raiders who were bad I mean this this could be a nice little run for Justin Fields if we get some value off of his preseason rookie of the year odds I'm so glad you brought that up because this is this is the betting strategy for Justin Fields here guys if he is starting from day one and then if you believe he's gonna be rookie of the year like if you hear through training camp he's gonna start from day one then bet him however you want to however if you if they are definitely going to go with Andy Dalton and they let it be known they're going with Andy Dalton early, you do not bet Justin Fields. You wait until a couple of games into the season, just like Steven said, because what's going to happen is, is these guys that are playing are going to draw money. These guys that are starting from day one are going to be watching their odds move. And what we're going to do is we're getting a favorable number, a much more favorable number on a quarterback who, in theory, is not playing, is not a starter. But we've seen this enough times in the NFL. The Rams should handle the Bears. I mean, this is a road game to start the year at that really good Rams defense, really good pass rush. Andy Dalton could be getting his butt kicked up and down the field in that game. Yes, soft landing spot when you come back home to Cincinnati, but then you go on the road again to Cleveland, who, by the way, might be right up there with the with the most fierce defense on paper anyway. We'll see how it all pans out whenever they get on the field. But as far as on paper, Cleveland might have the best defense in the entire NFL right now. And so you have two real rough goes at it, for, uh, times out for, for Andy Dalton. By week four, it would be a natural, easy transition to fields, especially with him getting Detroit in that first game. Steven, I love the strategy. I love the, the I you know, listen, we might miss out on, on a number if we don't bet now and he ends up starting from day one and looks great. I'm willing to take that risk. I'm going to hold off. I'm going to sit back. I'm going to hope they start out the year one and two with two pretty bad losses with the Rams and the Browns. And then that is when we come in on Justin Fields. And I, I love that strategy. As far as the Bears are concerned, I'm looking at this win total as well. Nate Weitzer from thelines.com wrote up an article on over win total values that he likes, and he sees the Bears falling into that category as well at just seven and a half. So to hit that over, 
they only need to go, you know, seven and my 17 game schedule math is all yeah. messed up here. But, you know, uh, eight and nine would be the over there for uh, for the Chicago Bears. And another team that I like potentially that has a low over under in their win total, seven wins for the New York Giants, potentially going over there. They not only get the NFC East which is still one of the worst divisions in football as far as I'm concerned. But they also have home games on their schedule against the Broncos, Falcons, Panthers, and Raiders. A pretty easy path there to potentially get to eight wins for the New York Giants now that we see how the schedules have have shaken out. So we head to the other uh, big question mark, New England Patriots, as far as Mac Jones. So we definitely know it's not going to be a bye week thing for them because – They were one of the teams that didn't get a bye week until week 14. So um, it's either going to be uh, either either Cam Newton is going to far exceeded what everybody thought and the job will just be his or he will have disappointed so much the job will long gone be long gone for him. So we're not looking at a bye week transition for this team. Um, What we are looking at, though, is the question mark of when is and will 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 Mac Jones get in as quarterback. They start off Miami, New York Jets, New Orleans Saints, Tampa Bay Bucks. You could, in theory, be looking at three losses right there. Um, we know that Miami is going to be much improved. We know that Miami is going is is a team that I think is is on the up and up. The Jets still got a couple of years. Look, they're they're accumulating talent. Probably a win for the Patriots there. Saints is a wild card. Saints offense, we don't know which we're going to get there. Saints defense should still be at least uh, at least middle of the pack, should be at least pretty decent. And of course, we know what we're getting in the Tampa Bay Bucks as they return all 22 starters from last year. So, you know, I think best case scenario, you're probably hoping for a two and two out of this. I think worst case scenario is a one and three. And then at one and three, we keep talking about these soft landing spots for these rookie quarterbacks. Houston is about as soft a landing spot as there is on the face of the planet in week five where New England uh, gets to play the Texans in week five. So I don't know this. This one's a little bit more curious to me, Stephen. I I certainly want your thoughts because they at least do have a a year under their belt with Cam Newton. It's not like the Bears. The Bears have no skin in the game with Andy Dalton, right? I mean, like if he starts a couple games, the fans aren't endeared to him. The Like he doesn't have, he hadn't been there a year. He doesn't have friends on the team, like anything's like that. At least Cam has been there a year and, and does, you know, know the plays and know the playbook and all the stuff like that extremely well. So what do you think the future is for Cam? Or do you honestly believe it is nothing? It is completely just, just performance-based. I think Mac Jones starts week one, and I'll tell you why. Because Woo-hoo-hoo. I think I think it is because of how different these offenses have to be depending on which quarterback starts. Your Patriots offense is going to function a hell of a lot differently if Cam Newton is the quarterback compared to if Mac Jones is the quarterback and you can have a more traditional offense with Cam Newton under there, you're running a lot of single wing type concepts where the quarterback is, is rushing. You have some option stuff. You can run a more traditional offense with Mac Jones and look at the moves. The Patriots made this off season from an offensive standpoint, they went out and got a lot of weapons that fit a passing game, not necessarily a running game. They went out and got Hunter Henry, a pass catching tight end. They also got John U. Smith who could do both at tight end, but he's a solid after the catch guy. They went out and got Nelson Aguilar, a sure and not, not well, he's got some drops. I mean, we get the whole meme joke yeah. back in Philadelphia and unlike Aguilar, but I mean that, that guy caught a lot of balls for the Raiders a year ago. He's a pretty reliable, more reliable than what the Patriots had last year. Let's put it that way. Um, so I, I think the Patriots made all of these moves, spent a ton of money in free agency to try and overhaul this offense and on Cam Newton on a one-year contract with only 3.5 million guaranteed at signing, I don't think has any type of strong hold on this starting quarterback situation in New England. I that is a that is a very interesting it's a very interesting take. And I'm not going to say that you're uh that, that you're wrong at all. I, I just think Bill Belichick is just a little too I think he's a little too stubborn. To, than to start a rookie in in week one, I I, I not, and not that's to say, 
Mac Jones is probably their best option to win games. Like, honestly, I mean, I mean, look, I think we saw what Cam was about last year, right? I mean, he is Cam is going to be the guy that has one good game and then he has three bad games and he has one good game and he has three bad games. And like the one good game makes you go, well, maybe he's still got it. And then he goes back out and has like two terrible games where you go, oh, no, never mind. He, he definitely doesn't have it. Like, what, what was I thinking in the first place? So um, it's going to be super, super interesting there. Uh, an, another piece, uh, another note there on that New England schedule. Yes, week four. Home game at Foxborough, Tampa Bay Bucks. That is Tom Brady returning to Foxborough in week four, October the 3rd. It's Sunday night football. Go ahead, mark it on your calendar. You know you're going to be there. You know you want to be watching it. You know it's going to be one of those games that we get hyped up for like a whole entire week leading into it. And I'll tell you what, I'm a sucker for it already, uh, Stephen. I'm sitting here looking at third-party tickets already for that game. The the get in the door price right now is twelve hundred bucks. The cheapest ticket is twelve hundred bucks <laughs> to get into that game with Brady coming back to Foxborough. And here's the thing, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's no if 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 Mac Jones doesn't start Week One, we know Belichick's not gonna let Mac Jones make no, his debut no. against Tom Brady <laughs> at Gillette Stadium, right? Yeah. And I don't know if you saw what Tom Brady tweeted, right? I, I don't think Tom Brady tweets for himself. I think he's got a really sharp, funny person running his social media. But uh, when when they tweeted out the date for that game, Tom Brady tweeted. When your high school friends meet your college friends, which is <laughs> which is like, you know, we can talk more about like how he's yeah. seemingly having a hell of a lot more fun in Tampa Bay than what he had in New England. But uh, I mean, that that is absolutely one of the games of the year circled on the calendar. I wrote an article over at the lines dot com about seven games that are just absolutely must see games in the first few weeks of the season. And, and that absolutely made the cut. Yeah, it is. It is. By, man. by the way. Yeah. Patriots win total sitting at nine right now. They would have to go over 500 to hit that win total with their quarterback issues. And frankly, I know they made a lot of signings in free agency, but nothing that really, you know, lit the world on fire. That that nine seems a little generous to me. I talked about this last night on a on a radio show that I was doing. I have a pretty strong lean to the under. Uh, on that I mean once one just seeing the schedule in general where there really aren't a lot of soft spots and then you know you take a look at you take a look at how they close out and everyone's going to look and say like well they do get Jacksonville in 17 they do okay I agree but let's start at week 12 for this team Titans Bills Colts Bills and then you get the Jags in 17 to end with the Dolphins look if they're not playing good football, if they're not playing good football at that point, Stephen, you could easily, I'm talking easily, be looking at only beating the Jags in that stretch. I mean, like, if they're playing bad football, they could lose to the Titans. They could lose to the Bills twice. They could lose to the Dolphins. They could certainly lose to the Colts on the road. I, I mean, I don't think this is, I don't think it's crazy at all. The other thing about this New England schedule is they're the only team that has three different teams coming off of a bye that get to play them. So they're going to get three different teams that are going to be rested coming in and giving the Patriots their best shot as well. Uh, I have a pretty good lean to the under as well. I, I really like that play. This is a team that lost to Denver at home last year with their terrible quarterback situations. Uh, this is a team that lost to Houston last year. Now, albeit it's a little bit different team, but it's not like Houston, Houston was a four win team last year, even with Deshaun Watson. Um, they got spanked by some of these other teams on their schedule, including Buffalo and the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, and and again, like I know they spent a lot of money in free agency, but it's not like they got the top of the class in terms of the weapons that were available on offense. And now you either have Cam Newton, who has passing deficiencies or a rookie quarterback playing, who was not one of the top rookie quarterbacks available in this draft. He was the fifth best quarterback by most people. So, yeah, I'm if I, if you're just giving me a bet straight up on whether. The Patriots are going to be an over 500 team or an under 500 team. And right now you're giving me plus money at BetMGM on the under. I like that bet. One of the biggest uh, standouts to me when I was analyzing these schedules was the Pittsburgh Steelers. And if you are a Steeler fan, you may want to just hit fast forward right now for the next two or three minutes because it gets dirty. It gets nasty 
right from the beginning. You open the season at the Bills. Again, one of the hottest teams in the NFL last year only got better at the Bills to start things off. Then things, and this is why I say it's just so dirty to you, because then things really lighten up and you're probably going to be feeling pretty good about your team. It goes Raiders, Bengals, Packers, uh, Broncos, all very, very winnable games. Then you start to look after the bye week in week seven, Stephen, and then it goes Browns in week eight, and then you get the Chargers in week 11, and then you get the Ravens in 13, and then, by the way, starting in 13, Ravens, Vikings, Titans, Chiefs, Browns, Ravens to end the season out. It is the hardest schedule in the NFL. I think it's the hardest schedule in the NFL by far. I don't even think it's even close. But the, to close out the season, it, think if you are chasing a playoff berth and you look and you go, well, at least we've got this game or at least we've got that game. That is not the case at all here. Starting week 11 at the Chargers, yes, you get the Bengals in between, but then in 13, Ravens, Vikings, Titans, Chiefs, Browns, Ravens, yet again. I think this is a no playoff for this Steelers team. I think this is an under on the wins for this Steelers team. I think this division is not even going to be close for them. I think you need to be betting the Browns in this division, or maybe if you're a, if you're a fan of, of Baltimore, you should be betting them. But I think this is going to be a long, rough season for this Pittsburgh Steelers team. This win total came out, and I, I think there is some people seeing a number that surprised them, and they automatically bet the over because it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. They won 12 games a year ago. The over-under was only 8.5, and right now at BetMGM, juiced to the over minus 125. And then the schedule comes out and they realize what's on the schedule and the deficiencies that the Steelers had towards the end of last year, most of their losses coming in the back end of that schedule after ripping off a bunch of wins to start the year against inferior competition. Uh, they didn't fix a lot of their issues. They got some some glamour picks in Najee Harris, the running back, but they still have major offensive line issues. They lost some talent on defense to free agency. Uh, so eight and a half here, if you go through the schedule like you just did, it's tough to find those nine wins for the Pittsburgh yeah. Steelers. And that's why I think, along with the New Orleans Saints, had the biggest drop off from 2020 wins to 2021 win total projection. Big changes there from what we see in terms of talent on the roster from how the odds makers view it. So I, I have a hard time disagreeing with the odds makers on that projection and finding nine wins on the flip side is uh, let's go ahead and head to let's go ahead and head right to your to your hometown there and head to Philadelphia where the Eagles check in with the easiest schedule in the NFL in 2021. They do not play a team on the road that had a winning record last year at all. They don't go on the road and face one single team that had a winning record last year. And then on top of that, the way that the schedule gods came in, Steven, starting in uh, starting for the last eight weeks of the season, the last eight weeks, we're starting November the 21st at home against the Saints at the Giants at the Jets by week at home against Washington football team at home against the Giants at Washington football team and then home against the Cowboys. They do not get on an airplane one single time for the final eight weeks of the season. Like that is massive when you don't have to have big travel and you don't have to be traveling cross country. You don't have to be getting in and off of airplanes and going in and out of airports or anything like that. These are bus trips. I mean, we're talking Giants, Jets, Washington football team, and the rest of those games are at home. So they these guys won't even see the inside of an airplane for the last two months of the season. It is a really, really favorable schedule for the Eagles. It is, and it's a pretty conservative projection in their win totals. It's gotten juiced. A lot of action on the over six and a half here. It's now sitting at uh, minus 149. Uh, it's been floating around minus 150 in a couple other spots as well, but at BetMGM, minus 149 towards the over six and a half. So I think they're seeing what you're seeing, Matt. 
Um, I, 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 seven is conservative to say the least. I still think there's a chance though, that this team could be really bad, right? I mean, we have this roster right now as it's constructed is extremely old with the talent that they do have. And the spots where they don't have old talent, they don't have anything established. They have no depth whatsoever. Uh, this is a rebuild job. There's a reason why GM Howie Roseman has gone out and accumulated a ton of picks for the future. They now, if Carson Wentz plays what we expect, will have three first round picks next year. So they're in rebuild mode. Uh, and I don't know. I mean, and they have a ton of unproven talent at the wide receiver position. A lot mm-hmm. of high picks and a lot of high capital, but a lot of unproven talent and a quarterback who's completely unproven as a passer in the NFL as well in Jalen Hurts. So a ton of question marks here with the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, it, it does help with the division that they play in, but I still think they're the the worst team in that division. I mean, if you if you tell me right now that I need the Eagles to win three games in that division against the Giants, Washington, and Dallas. I mean, I I don't know where they're getting it because those rosters are just better than what the Eagles are right now. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you for sure. I just uh, as far as as far as how it broke, it broke about it as well, well as as humanly possible for this Eagles team. No, no doubt about it. Um, Okay, so you have. Uh, I already told. I already told everyone on this pod. If you're just joining us, like I have, I have Browns bets all over the place. I have Browns over on win totals. I have Browns in the division. I have Browns. I even took a flyer on the conference and Super Bowl. I don't think those are going to hit, but I got huge numbers, so it, it doesn't really matter. Um, what did you? What have you made out of the schedule coming out? What are you looking at? Maybe it's not even anything to do with that. I think that you have a, another case that you're looking to kind of make here. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually looking at the MVP market for the NFL, mm-hmm. and there are two guys in particular that I'm looking at. Uh, I'll give you the one that's more towards the top of the board right now, and I can't believe that I'm saying this about a, a 43, 44 year old quarterback. <laughs> but we're talking about the greatest of all time, Tom Brady, who at BetMGM right now is the the fifth or sixth option on the board at 16 to one, and that is the best price you're going to find right now on Tom Brady in the market to win MVP. I mean, we're talking about a guy who was third in the NFL last year with more than 4,600 passing yards. He was tied for second in the league with 40 passing touchdowns. Um, and and if you remember back to that season a year ago, the Bucks really didn't start clicking until. The second half, later in the season, they had a late bye week last year. That's when things really started peaking for them. And this year, they bring back literally everybody. It's the first team in the Super Bowl era that brings back every single starter from the Super Bowl starting lineup a year ago. I don't think you will find a better top to bottom wide receiver core in the league than what the the Buccaneers have with Chris Godwin, Mike Evans and Antonio Brown coming back. The best wide receiver of this generation, minus the off the field issues that he's had. So, um, you know, I don't think that it is necessarily hard to find a value in Tom Brady right now at 16 to one to win MVP. When you consider the fact that, you know, obviously Pat Mahomes is the rightful favorite at six to one, but you look at the board at some of these other uh, MVP favorites up there. Matthew Stafford is in an offense that, that likes to run a lot with, with um, the, the Los Angeles Rams. Kyler Murray is in an offense that, runs a decent amount. Um, you know, Lamar Jackson's in a rush first offense. The, Bruce Arians wants to air it out, man. It doesn't matter how old Tom Brady is. He's going to air it out at 16 to one for MVP. I think there's value there despite his age. And I'm curious what your reaction is to that. Listen, here's the thing. And I would be all in on Tom Brady MVP this year. If he went ahead and just announced that this was, this was his farewell season. Like, 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 because again, these are, this stuff's voted on by human beings. This stuff is voted on by, by, by people. And with that, let me tell you, I mean, if this was Tom Brady's farewell season, it would be, it would be all, I would be all about it. Um, the fact that he's keeps saying he wants to play multiple years. Like, I, I just don't know. I, you know, I don't know. I think there's maybe a little bit of Tom Brady fatigue out there a little bit with, with people, with voters and stuff. And so, 
very interesting to me. I don't disc- I, I don't discount anything that you said. I would be all over. I'd have it in my account right now. If he's like, hey, by the way, this is my last season. This is my farewell season. I'd be like, yep. Right. Yep. Take all my money. How much is the most I can bet on this MVP vet? Like that, that's what I would have uh, going on that. But yeah, it's just, it's just so weird. I just don't know if people like look at it and he has a great season, but so, so does a couple of other guys and they just go, well, Tom will be back next year. Yeah. You know, uh, we could give it to him. You know, uh, maybe we could give it to him next year. And um, it sucks that we're trying to handicap what people are thinking and that we're trying to handicap people, you know, like how voters are going to think. But I mean, hell it is, it is part of the process, right? The last point I'll make on Brady is the schedule because that, I mean that's what we're doing here breaking down the schedule and the Bucks schedule is extremely favorable. They not only play in a division that just hemorrhages points in the NFC South, but their cross division schedule is the AFC East against the Dolphins, Patriots, uh, the Bills and the Jets. Pretty favorable defenses there for scoring points. And then they also have uh, cross I'm looking here at the schedule, and it looks like they play out of the AFC, the AFC South, I believe. They have the Colts on the schedule as well, so that's favorable. Um, you know, they play the NFC East. That's what I'm trying to say. They also play the yeah. NFC East, which is extremely favorable for Tom Brady as well. So, uh, the only other long shot I like in MVP, I have actually got him at a hundred to one when they hired their head coach. Uh, but Matt Ryan, he's sitting at 50 to one right now in bed MGM. He has a head coach in Arthur Smith who made Ryan Tannehill literally as efficient as Patrick Mahomes on a per pass and per play basis. And hopefully he still has Julio Jones back, Calvin Ridley, and now they add Kyle Pitts and also a pretty favorable schedule as well for the Falcons with their cross division matchups. And, um, you know, the same thing, the same reasons we just talked about with the Bucks and their schedule, they play the same opponents just in different orders. Yeah. I, I'm with, I, I'm with you on Matt Ryan. I, I, I listen, Matt Ryan was not the problem last year. I keep trying to say this over and over and over again. Matt Ryan was not the problem last year. It was the defense that couldn't hold a lead that the offense got them. That was the problem with that Falcons team. So I'm with you there. I think Matt Ryan is a, is a really great flyer, especially with all that talent and all of the, uh, and all the people that he's going to have around him. And listen, like, as you said, the other thing is, is, they could creep into the playoffs. Listen, this is not, this is not, this is not the same saints team as last year. This is not the same saints team as the year before. This is not the same. Uh, this is certainly the Panthers are still a couple of years uh, away here. And so I, I'm with you. I like the Falcons. And he's already won MVP. We know he can do it. We know he can play at that level already. Um, and, and you're giving us 50 to one, which is near the bottom of the QB odds market for MVP. We're going to talk to Ed Miller here in just a second, an incredibly smart guy who's not only written books on poker, he's written books on sports betting. He's developed a sports betting platform that is good, that is, you know, being implemented by major sports books right now for live betting and whatnot. Before we do that, a quick word from our sponsors over at BetMGM. Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem. Call one 800 5 522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa and Tennessee. Call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Like we said, Stephen, I mean, this is the uh, Ed Miller, author of The Logic of Sports Betting. If you're into poker, he's written several poker books. I suggest that you go in, listen to those as well. And then also a product called Deck Prism. And if you are, you know, uh, if you're unfamiliar with live betting in the United States, there are there are still some obstacles here and there are still some hurdles that we need to overcome to make live betting everything that we think it could be. And with that, Ed is certainly leading the charge in trying to get that done. And Stephen was able to get a few minutes with Ed Miller. 
Excited to be joined by Ed Miller, CEO of Deck Prism Sports and also the author of The Logic of Sports Betting. He will be joining me at BetFest on Saturday, May 15th. Ed, appreciate you hopping on here. I know one of the things that you are an expert in when it comes to sports betting is in-play betting and live betting. And uh, just so happens that last week we were talking about that with golf. We were uh, looking for some of the pre-tournament favorites to get better odds for. And, and we recommended Roy McElroy and wound up getting him at 28 to one instead of 18 to one when his pre-tournament odds uh, when he won the tournament last week at the PGA tour. So excited to talk to you a little bit more about this topic. What exactly are some of the best practices that you look for in live betting, no matter what sport you're, you're looking to do so in? For sure. Yeah. So thanks for having me on, by the way. Um, yeah. So just some basic concepts for the better for live betting is, you know, kind of knowing how the lines get made. So pregame, you know, your lines get made. Let's say we're talking about NFL football. Your lines get made because essentially big betting groups kind of hammer that line into place over the course of the week, um, where by the time the game goes off, that line kind of has all the information in it that, that, that people know, right? As soon as the game starts, all that, you know, all that starts to change. New information happens. The game happens. You know, teams start playing. And that line is getting made by a, a relatively small number of people. This is what my company does. But, but you know, and, and it's um, it, it, so the further away you get from the beginning of that game, the more that line could be wrong. That's kind of the point I'm trying to make. So like you're much more likely to find a, a good bet, say, in in the fourth quarter of an NFL game as opposed to in the first quarter of an NFL game. Because, you know, let's say after that first drive, you know, most of that line is still the same information that was there when people were betting pregame. By the time the fourth quarter rolls around, I mean, a whole game's happened, you know, the score is different and, and everything that goes into making that line is, is almost different than, than what they were using pregame, if that makes sense. For sure. And, and let's keep using NFL as an example. And I thought the Super Bowl was an interesting situation with live betting uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You had an underdog in the Bucs leading for a lot of the game. And I know right. a lot of my, uh, you know, not so savvy friends were were betting on the Chiefs once the live the odds moved because they're anticipating right. a comeback. So um, are you more likely in NFL games to live bet it if the pregame favorite gets out to a big lead or are you more likely to live bet it if the pregame underdog is getting out to a big lead? I, I don't know that there's a, a particular bias there. I, I do agree with you that, that, that certainly people love to bet that pregame favorite to come back um, when, whenever, you know, that happens now being in a company that, that makes the lines, you know, I, I, I could tell you that, you know, First and foremost, we're trying to make the best line we can, right? So, so we're trying not to be swayed by that as a bias, but at the same time, you can't help it because you know people people tend to only want to bet one way, exactly like you were saying. I mean, I mean, nobody wanted to bet on on Tampa Bay, you know, certainly on the spread, right? I mean, they, no one wants to lay points with the dog in a game like that. That's just not how people bet. Right. So, so you can't help, but as a, you know, when you're making the line shaded against that, you can't be like, well, I'm, you know, literally nobody's going to bet this side. Let me not just, you know, make the chiefs a little more expensive. So, yeah, I think that's, I, I think that's the right idea in general. And in, in those situations where you're just like, I mean, who would bet on the bucks here in the third quarter, you're probably going to get a couple extra percent on your, on your lines just out the box for sure. I mean, I can share a funny story with you on live betting. I was the guy when the one seed Virginia was taking on the 16 seed UMBC. And in the second half, I'm getting the one seed against the 16 seed at like three to one, four to one on the live money line. And I'm like, it's never happened before. A 16 right. seed has never beaten a one seed. So I, I, I was the guy who lost money right. on a one seed losing to a 16 seed when I had right. plus odds. So you just never know in a one game sample, right? I think that's maybe something else we can tell beginner betters. We can talk about value and, and in-game value all we want, but I think for beginner betters, it's maybe also important to remember that we 
we are still talking about a one game sample, which increases variance, right? Right. And the weirder the situation, the more kind of everyone's on equal footing, right? Like, like, as I said, deck prisoners, of course, is my company. We make these live betting lines. This is our business. Um, so I'm well-versed in how they get made. And, and I can tell you, like, if the same situation comes up over and over and over again, I mean, our models that produce these lines are going to understand that situation well, right? But let's say there's a big injury, right? You know, let's say uh, something really weird happens and the score gets really out of whack. Or let's say, I mean, just anything you can think of where, you know, let's say the kicker gets injured. Now we have, we have stuff in place to try to deal with that, but let's say the kicker gets injured, you know, and, and I mean, this is just an example. And now, you know, you're betting on a point spread. Well, some of these people, maybe, maybe not us. Cause again, we, <laughs> we tried to cover the kicker getting injured situation, but other people might not have that covered. And it's like, you're on equal footing with the lines maker at that point. Right. Because because everything that's happened previously in the NFL, if you look at it, it's not going to be the answer to this situation. Right. So so I would say definitely that's another thing to look for when you're live betting is think about, like, how often has this kind of thing happened before? And if it's the kind of thing that kind of comes up a lot, well, you know, they they're probably going to make a better line for it. But if it's just an off the wall situation, if it's just like, you know, you're like, well, what now? Well, guess what? The people making the lines are also thinking what now? So, yeah. Before I let you go, I want to ask you about the NBA too, with live betting with, with the playoffs coming up here, there's going to be a lot of interest in that. Um, I know for me personally, I'll share a story from the other night. You had the Oklahoma city thunder here, just not so subtly tanking the rest of their season. Right. And at halftime against the Sacramento Kings, a team who is, is, trying to get into that play-in tournament, they're, they're trailing by a couple points at the half, so you can get the pre-game spread at plus 220 now on the odds. So with a tanking team, sure enough, that worked out. But um, you're not going to get that in the NBA playoffs. So I'm, I'm wondering... A with tanking situations with the NBA, are you are you are you hedging a little bit with knowing that a team is potentially not trying as hard as it wants to or as other teams to win? And secondly, I'll, I'll talk about the NBA playoffs. Are you seeing opportunities for betters who are trying to take advantage of pregame lines in that situation. Cause to me as, as a casual sports better, it seems so often an NBA pregame line could just somehow gets within a couple points by the end of the game, no matter how much a team is up by 10 right. points at any point in, in the yep. middle of an NBA game. Yep. Yeah. So, so kind of, I, I kind of see those as two different questions. One, the tanking, I feel like the tanking situation plays very well into what we were just talking about, which is, I mean, these situations don't come up that much. You got an entire, you know, data set of NBA games. And then you've got these like two tanking games at the end of the season. And it's like, I mean, how, I mean, I can tell you from, from our perspective, I mean, our job is to watch that game like a hawk and just make our best guess about what's going to happen in a game like that. Right. You know, there's no right answer, you know? So, so a hundred percent, those are situations where if you feel like you have an angle, if you're like, Oh, I know what they're going to do. They're going to play this guy for four minutes and then it's over. And then, you know, like if, if you have insight into a specific game, that's a great spot, like those tanky games to get in and, 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 you know, make a good bet. Uh, on the other hand, on, on the playoff games, the, I mean, the, the, they do play different from the regular season because they they really play hard. I mean, they, they play harder in the playoff. This is obvious, but like in situations where, you know, in your regular season, you're used to the team kind of backing off for lack of a better term, rotations, you know, all that stuff in the playoffs, all that stuff works differently. And, and therefore you get different, you get different splits and, and you're right. The teams will come back, you know, harder, I guess. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's playoffs is a completely different game. Um, and, and, you know, from our perspective, we, we know that, you know, and so we, we try to do our best job of accounting for the differences between how they play in the playoffs versus how they play in the regular season. But yeah, I mean, it, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's fun. certainly. And, um, and, and honestly, if you can, if you think you can do a better job of, 
kind of understanding those playoff dynamics. I, I don't think there's any sport where that concept matters more than the NBA, right? I don't think there's any sport like in NFL, right? There's no such thing as like tanking in the NFL in that in that way, right? Because right. if you don't, if if you get out on the field and you don't play a hundred percent, you're gonna get injured, right? Like you got to go hard on every play. There's no like, oh, I'm just gonna you know, like you're an offensive lineman and you're like, I'm only going to go 50% on this. Play. <laughs> right. like, that's not a thing. You can't do that. You know? And, and whereas in NBA, obviously that's, that's how they get through the season. That's how they get, the, you know, they, the whole game is that. So it, it's, it's, it's definitely makes NBA one of the hardest games for us to be super sharp on our in-play stuff because, because that's always in play that time. And that's awesome. So much great perspective from the inside here on, on live betting that I think both casual and seasoned sports bettors can can use to have in their in their arsenal of information. So uh, Ed Miller, the CEO of Deck Prism Sports, also the author of The Logic of Sports Betting. He will be joining me at BetFest Saturday, May 15th. For more information on that event, you can go to thelines.com slash BetFest on our Twitter account. Look for the video. There's also a link to get some free tickets to join us online at BetFest. Really going to be an awesome event, first of its kind that I've seen. If I, if I wasn't speaking at the event, I honestly would attend this event as well to try and become a smarter, better, better. So, Ed, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for having me on, and I'm definitely looking forward to the event. Super, super smart guy there, uh, Stephen. And listen, I, uh, uh, you know, I've been in this a long time. I've been in the gambling world in some way, shape, or form for for twenty years now. But you just, you just know when you're talking to someone who gets it a little bit better than you do, and just yes, understands things a little bit better than you do. And Ed's certainly one of those guys. Absolutely, love talking with him. Very excited to to speak with him on a sports betting one hundred and one panel as part of BetFest on Saturday, May the fifteenth. Um, if you're listening to this and it's not May fifteenth yet, you can go to thelines.com slash BetFest to check out the awesome not only list of of people who are attending from the sports betting industry, but also the agenda of events that are happening. I'm not just saying this because I'm speaking. I would attend this event event even if I wasn't speaking at it because it's really neat and, and something I have not seen yet in the sports betting industry. Yeah, really. I'm excited about it. I'll be there on Saturday, no doubt about it. Uh, Steven, take us home with a few notes here on the Preakness. Now, you will have a full video up at our YouTube channel. So, guys, if you're not already subscribed to that, you just go to the Lions front page. There's a big button that says YouTube. It'll take you right to the channel. Then just hit subscribe. But um, until then, uh, Steven, give us just some few thoughts here as we head into Saturday. And if people want to start looking a little bit at the Preakness. Yeah, for sure. And that YouTube video will drop Saturday morning on Preakness morning. So you can check out the full breakdown there. But uh, my overall theme on this Preakness is that this field is trash, Matt. It is absolute trash <laughs> compared to past Preaknesses that I have seen uh, in, in terms of Derby horses that are running. We have the Derby favorite and the Derby winner, obviously, in Medina Spirit. But other than that, only two other Derby horses come into this field. And the two horse keep me in mind and the five horse Midnight Bourbon. And then you have a rest of the field, seven other new shooters, as they say, who did not run in the Kentucky Derby. And in this era where you have to run well in previous races just to get into the gate of the Kentucky Derby that tells us that if you did not run in the Derby and you are running in the Preakness then you most likely were not good enough you were not (laughs) one of the 20 best horses in the Kentucky Derby to be part of that field so that applies to all seven new shooters with the exception of Bob Baffert's other horse concert toward the 10 horse who was healthy but pointed towards the Preakness by design and actually had as many points in the Kentucky Derby standings as Medina Spirit off by maybe a couple, but on par with Medina Spirit in the standings, but was by design pointed to the Preakness. So definitely talented enough, but uh, long story short, there's only five horses in this field that I'm considering on exotic picks. It's the three Derby horses and then two new shooters that have career best buyer speed figures that are up there with what we saw from the Derby winners and the Derby contenders. So the two horse, keep me in mind, the three horse Medina spirit, the five horse midnight bourbon, 
the 10 horse concert tour and I'll circle back. I forgot one, the number four horse crowded trade. So two, three, four, five, 10 are the ones I'm considering in exotics. And I'm only going to be putting midnight bourbon and Medina spirit at the top of my tickets for the Preakness. And in terms of horses, I think that that can win this race just because of how awful the rest of this field is guys again that video will be dropping over on the youtube page on saturday morning so be sure and check that out for all the last minute thoughts there and all the last minute information steven's going to give it to you and hopefully win you some money this week as well if you want to follow steven on twitter at steven andrus one if you want to follow me on twitter at matt brown m2 and if you want to follow the main account at the lines us and by all means do that we're trying to get that goddamn number up, Stephen. We got to get that number up over on Twitter. So let's uh, let, let's do that. The Lines US over on the on the Twitter machine. Of course, you can follow the YouTube page. Just head to the lines.com on the uh, front page. There's a big button that says YouTube. Click on it. When you go in, subscribe. We have awesome stuff coming. It's all free. Everything we do on that YouTube channel. And uh, we've had some pretty good success as well on doing things on that channel as well. For Stephen, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week.